Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here with Vicki and Marilyn, and we're going to talk about all things homeschool high school. Indeed. And today we are continuing with a series that we've been working on about writing, because writing is an important part of homeschooling. It's a very important part of homeschooling. Kids aren't prepared for life if they're not comfortable with writing. Very good, very good. So today we are looking at a heavy topic for writing that frightens many, frightens many, many students. It frightens almost as many parents, I think, and it's the dreaded research paper. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> so we're going to try to remove some of the fear from the idea of writing research papers in your homeschool high school. And our sister Allison, who is not here with us because she is shy of the microphone and she's not big into the whole, I don't like the way my voice sounds. You know, she's one of those. She's our one of our invisible sisters. Yes. But she um, teaches a research paper class for MLA style research papers at our local homeschool umbrella school. And she is up to her eyeballs in grading research papers for high schoolers right now, even as we record. So what grades is she teaching this year? Marilyn, who's in that class? She is mainly teaching ninth graders with a few others in there and also is doing some individual grading of research papers. So the stack is is tall at the moment, stack of papers, a bit, bit overwhelming yeah. perhaps. For the biggest class, she has just finished grading um, their rough drafts and she will be handed their finals next week so and that's about 18 of them so she survived 18 <laughs> rough drafts from ninth graders so uh, moms who've been through this before understand the depth mm. of that oh yeah oh yeah grading a rough draft for a research paper is not something that one does in a couple of minutes you know especially for ninth graders bless them because oh, they're just yes. learning oh yes in fact i overheard allison say that she was thinking about just leaving all of the papers on the floor at her house in front of her dog, Winston, and then coming to school next week and telling the kids that her dog ate their homework. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a major rebellion just in thought from Allison because she follows the rules. (laughs) Maybe that's why she has done so well teaching MLA research paper over the years because she loves to follow the rules. And that is what is intimidating to a lot of people. Um, about writing a research paper, there are a whole set of rules that you have to follow. So the grading process has a whole lot of rules. The writing process has a whole lot of rules. The whole research process feels like it has a whole lot of rules. What's, what's up? Why are there so many rules associated with research writing that are not just the standard writing rules? Why can't you just have fun? Yeah. Part of that is that there are several different types of research papers and Each one has its own set of rules. Nobody really knows who made up those rules, but they are there. Yeah. Like, why? (laughs) Why did they do that to us? And if you Google each of them, most of them will say, here are the rules, but. And the but is usually, but do whatever your teacher or professor tells you. So there are lots of rules and even more exceptions to those rules. Sounds a lot like the English language. Sounds a lot like life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the research paper then is, is part of life. You there know, we that's, go. Life doesn't make our lives simple. How is that? Right. Right. 
Okay, so that's that's one thing that's perhaps a really good place to start when your teen is writing a research paper is have a conversation about the fact that certain things in life have an inordinate amount of rules associated with them and learning to jump through the hoops and fill in all those little check boxes and do it this way is a really important life skill and whether or not your paper actually ends up being better in your opinion because you wrote it according to the rules it doesn't matter there it's a separate skill being practiced at the same time one of the most important things i think the teens get from writing research papers is learning they can do something they don't want to do ah because that just might happen again in life sometime after graduation <laughs> even something that's going to take several weeks of hard work, not mm. just a week of cranking out an essay or getting that math assignment finished. Right. Okay, so that's that's another thing. We, we want to talk to our teens about the idea of the rules, and we also want to talk to them about the, the time involved and that research papers are not best written in a crunch, pull several all-nighters, just put it out there thing, that having time built in to do your research well, but then also to do your writing well and then to step away from it for a while before you come back to edit and then step away from it again before you come back to edit again, that that process is um, is kind of unique with research writing. Right. The the thing that teenagers and sometimes grown-ups struggle with is the due date is like April 25th. That doesn't mean you start on April 24th. So that, that to do anything that's complicated or big Take some planning. Mm. Yeah, we actually did an episode not all that long ago specifically talking about scheduling backwards on big projects and on um, things that are likely to be done very poorly if they are done at the last minute. So look, if you have not had a chance to listen to that, look at um, the Homeschool High School podcast page and look for the episode called Conquering Crunch Time Craziness, I think was what we came Yeah, up with. because we all feel a little crazy at crunch time if we waited till the last moment. So we've got some good step-by-steps on how to help kids plan. And you know, that's a good life skill. Mm-hmm. Learn to plan on a research paper and you can carry that over to other projects. It really is. Now, if you're looking for research paper curriculum, shameless plug, sevensistershomeschool.com, in the ebook store has um, guides for writing an MLA research paper that uh, Seven Sister Allison wrote and an APA style research paper that Vicki wrote. And coming soon will be one for a Chicago style paper, which apparently is the new cool hip thing to do. Yeah, it's one of the oldest styles of research papers and now it's become one of the hippest styles. So yeah, all of us with kids in college there coming home saying, you taught us APA and you taught us MLA and what's all this Chicago stuff? All right. So yeah, our guides break things down in a schedule backwards kind of mentality and help kids tackle their research paper in a manageable bite at a time. Yeah. Instead of the whole, you know, it's the whole old how do you eat an elephant thing one bite at a time, but it's hard to figure out where to start. And um, our guides are designed to help build that thinking process too of how does one tackle a big project yeah, like this. Day by day, no busy work, user-friendly. Okay, so let's talk about the most common types of research papers, when a student should pick one type over another, why it's important to try all of them before high school is over with, 
So we're gonna we're gonna mainly hit on MLA, APA, and Chicago. Yes, sounds good. All right. So somebody who knows more about this than I do, explain the differences among the three. So you are also Allison Marilyn because right. you taught it so many times. <laughs> the, the MLA research paper is probably one of the most common ones, especially for like the freshman English that you will take in college. So you have to get through that one one way or the other. It is very thesis driven. There is a thesis stated up front and everything in that paper needs to support that thesis. Um, so it's kind of like a giant essay. It is like a giant <laughs> essay and that is why Allison and I have been teaching it in a way by doing essays first and we even this year experimented with having the students write an essay about their research topic before they even got seriously into doing the research paper. That is brilliant. (laughs) Okay, wait, I say it's brilliant. It sounds brilliant in theory. How did it go over? Well, we haven't graded the research papers yet, so (laughs) we're going to have to see. the dog ate them. Yeah, (laughs) we've heard about that. (laughs) Winston enjoyed them very well. Oh dear. I'd love to see Allison come in to her ninth graders with 18 chewed up papers. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great YouTube video. It would. It would. And the kids who have been with Mrs. Thorpe all year, who have come to know her as this rule following, (laughs) super dependable, always, you know, comes through and then she walks in, oh, well, (laughs) Winston ate your papers. Some of them might be happy. (laughs) They might be. (laughs) Okay, so MLA, giant essay, kind of, sort of, all thesis based. What about APA? So APA is different in style from MLA. So MLA's thesis driven. And APA is, let's say, it's backwards from that. So, so MLA, you start with a thesis and you, you prove your thesis. So everything in the paper goes to build that thesis. APA is from the American Psychological Association. So they're trying for a more scientific format. Okay. So theoretically, what you're supposed to do is observe and come to a conclusion. So theoretically, you you come in unbiased, you're just reading information and coming to a conclusion. And so you um, you build your paper backwards from an MLA. So by the end of an APA, you have to some extent reached some sort of conclusion. It's like your thesis comes at the end. Like, you know, seeing this data, then I come to the conclusion that yada yada. Okay. So it's a the, different in, of course, you know what, nothing's ever unbiased, mm-hmm. but it, it's a different idea. Also, MLA relies very heavily on transition sentences. So when you're moving from one topic to another, you want a good transition. So we'd have to get right. Marilyn to give Which... an example of what a good transition sentence might be. Put you on the spot. I can't come up with one just off the bat from a research paper, but the difference being that in an MLA-style research paper, as you go from maybe talking about the history of something to another portion of it, you would have to transition in there. And in an APA research paper, you would have a header that says history and then culture, and you wouldn't have to transition. You would just 
pop from one to the next. Yes. So MLA makes a beautiful flow, just mm-hmm. essay style. You know, exactly. it's very, very beautiful flow. APA is more like magazine format. You know, if you read a magazine article, it has these these subtitles right. built into it. And so the reader, if he wants to go back and say, oh, I wanted more on the history section, he goes back and finds the, the header okay. for that section. So APA doesn't have transition sentences, it has headers that run through the paper that break the paper up into sections. Okay. All right, so since they are different in style and different in sort of sort of purpose, then when do you choose MLA? What type of topic calls for an MLA style paper? What type of topic calls for an APA? Generally, APA or even Chicago, I think to some extent, is more a scientific type topic. And pretty much MLA is everything else. <laughs> okay. So MLA, if it's a language arts topic, it's definitely right. going to be... Or probably even history. Yeah. And then in the, um, in the sciences, it'll be APA, definitely. So psychology or biology will be APA. And then, um, yeah, and then Chicago can be more scientific or more humanities. Okay, According so, to what your so teacher explain tells Chicago. You. Chicago style is actually not something I have any experience with at all. So I'm learning right alongside all of our seventh sisters today. Yeah. So. so MLA and APA have similar kinds of citations. And we'll talk about the importance of citations in a second, I bet, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that they're, they're slightly different, but they all have to have these names and page numbers or names and dates in parentheses beside material that you've quoted or sourced from. But then the reference page has all all of the information so someone could find that source again. Right. Chicago, instead of having parentheses in the paragraphs, in the body of the text uh, with a, a name and a date or a name or page or however the, the format is, it has a little superscript, like a number one, and then... A footnote. A footnote at the bottom. So you have a real Dude, footnote. I, I have written a Chicago style That's paper. That's what we all did. I just didn't know it was called. When we were kids in college, that's all the papers were Chicago style. Okay. And for years I've been irritated that when we finally got word processors that could do that and figure out how much space you needed, they stopped Stopped using using it. it. Oh, man, because back in the days of manual typewriters... That oh. was hard. Even it electric typewriters, but right. we still had to oh, like my. redo pages because we yes. didn't leave enough room for our yes. footnotes, or we left too much room, and now the page looks stupid. How funny. Okay, so, how about that? I do know what a Chicago style <laughs> paper is. So they're very, they're very kind of cool, because especially in the modern word processing, so pages and Word documents, um, it, when you write your little superscript up there, mm-hmm. automatically it jumps to the bottom of the page with the right amount of spacing oh, right. for you to put your little footnote in there, Beautiful. and it all does the work for you. Beautiful. Yeah. Then you put all your information uh, like you would on the reference page. Then you repeat that on the reference page, but it's, it's uh, a well-documented... The purpose of that is to be user-friendly for the reader. Okay. So, so you, you want... can glance right down and know, okay, wait, where did this come from? Yeah. Oh, I know that author's name. Or I, uh, or it was, wow, it was that long ago that that was published. Or Yeah, okay, yeah. so you've got it right in front of you. And oh, then cool. Chicago's the, the one where kids get to use IBID. Ah. Like, I, yeah. I, I miss IBID. Yes. And APA, you can't use IBID. So okay. I don't know, MLA? I don't think so. Yeah, like so I did mean you're just repeating the same source. Same old, same old, yep. And uh, it's like it's just kind of fun. That's cool. 
All right. So, and Chicago style papers are used for just about anything? Well, human humanities, uh, some science, but also when you get to college, your teacher's going to tell you what they want to do. Okay. And they're also going to break every daggum rule that you learned in mm -hmm. high school, but you have to know the rules first. Okay. All right. So MLA, APA, Chicago, all of them require citations, different formats for citations, but let's talk about why students need to learn to cite their sources and then what are some of the rules for how to go about it and some of the underlying philosophical things about plagiarism and your own work and how to um, draw from other people's work without accidentally even stealing it as though it were your own because that's a big issue in the world today. This is a really big issue for our students and part of it is they don't understand what plagiarism is or what makes something plagiarism versus not being plagiarism. I think it's the curse of copy and paste. I think well, copy and paste doesn't help. word processors and the internet, I think it was easier for us to understand growing up. But there is so much copy and paste and sharing on social media and it stuff just gets sent out and people don't think as much about who actually said this initially? Where did this actually come from? Because it's just so built in. So I, I think we have an extra hard job to explain to teenagers and to make sure that they really get a hold of it. So we have the big bad word plagiarism and then the big good word paraphrasing. Both start with P and everybody knows I hate alliteration, <laughs> yeah. but. I was just <laughs> sitting here in awe. Marilyn just, just she did alliteration. But wow. the answer to plagiarism is partially besides citations is learning how to paraphrase properly so that you don't <laughs> another page so you don't pages. actually wow. just take somebody's work change a couple of words and call it yours mm -hmm. that, that's a good quote <sighs> that is a good quote especially you, you because you should write that so down so we can put it. it in the show notes yes <laughs> well the paraphrasing part is in every one of our literature study guides <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to see it just look at one of those <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the things that, I've, to learn that I've worked on with, um, with teens a lot when trying to help them learn to paraphrase is the idea that if you read something and can walk away from the screen and go into the kitchen and explain it to your mom, then you're paraphrasing it. But if you have to look at the screen the whole time that you're talking about it, then you haven't read it well enough yet to be ready to paraphrase it. That is a really good way to explain that because paraphrasing isn't copying pasting a paragraph from somebody else's work and changing three words mm -hmm. or the sentence structure you know right or... it's that you've internalized and understood the ideas there and you could now explain them to somebody else and until mm -hmm. you've internalized it a little bit you've got no business trying to write it because you're gonna plagiarize even if you don't mean to and accidental plagiarism is just as big a problem as intentionally copying and pasting and saying i don't care i'm putting my name on it so as we have graded over the years, the kids in the research paper classes, often we will run a paper through one of the, the online, you know, check for plagiarism mm -hmm. scanners and bless them, the kids cut and paste the, well, sometimes it stands out like a sore thumb like this. Because the, they don't change the font. <laughs> or, or they forget to remove the hyperlinks. Yeah. Like, okay, if I could click on this and it takes me to the URL, I don't think you wrote it. <laughs> so, 
So it's oh. it's easy to catch, but the, a cautionary tale that we will tell the kids sometimes is my oldest son teaching the composition and the philosophy courses at college level, um, one of his first semester teaching, found one of the honor students had gotten to a time crunch. She hadn't managed her time well and had copy and pasted most of her paper off of a paper she could buy off the internet. Because you can buy all these papers oh, yeah. on the internet. And uh, and so that was blatant plagiarism. And in his contract, he had to report that. And then it was out of his hands. And so he, he had to report it. She went before the, the whatever board it is about student conduct, and she lost all of her scholarships. Mm. Sometimes students are asked to leave the school if they've caught pla plagiarizing and it's so it really is a serious it's a serious issue and professors take it really seriously of course all of those professors that they have have their own work out there and they don't want other people stealing it right. so right yeah and there is there's there's two pieces to it when it comes to character because we're all at least uh, most of us if you're bothering to homeschool your kids you probably have some interest in their character as well as their Indeed. academics um there's the whole thing of you shouldn't lie and take credit for somebody else's work there's also the additional thing of you need to really own your own work so that means planning for it and that means sacrificing other things that you would like to be doing when, oh well, this just is a commitment that has to be fulfilled. So there, there are the kids that would never think that they would ever buy a paper online, you know, um, who might find at two o'clock in the morning before the papers due at eight o'clock the next morning that they panic and they sort of accidentally borrow a whole lot more of somebody else's work than they even really realize they're doing. Both pieces are really character issues. The one is blatant and obvious. The other one is much more subtle, but it's probably a super um, opportunity for us to talk to our teens about those more subtle places where we are likely to compromise and um, you know, muff things a little bit, do, do financial things that maybe are not exactly ethical or tell um, someone something that they wanna hear rather than really the way things are like it really ties into an overall thing about integrity and it's it's a hard thing to learn if you don't go ahead and look at it when you're a teenager because by the time you're in adult situations the price tag may be very very high and we've but, seen that happen in real life yeah. with politicians and other yeah. leaders where in in a crunch they have sometimes made poor decisions yeah yeah so good conversations to have and part of the research writing um, endeavor for, for their schoolwork as well. Um, so they've, they've done research, they've written a whole bunch of stuff about it, they've been careful to avoid stealing anyone else's work, and when they get that rough draft done, assuming the dog doesn't eat it before they get it to the final <laughs> draft, then what happens to get it from rough draft to final? Because it's not something you can just say, oh well, it's good enough as a rough draft and be done. Yeah, so finishing it the night before and thinking it's done. It does not work. So there's two parts to this. One is the parents or the teacher's part, which is actually reading it, using a rubric, finding the things that need to be changed. There's the big picture editing where you make sure that everything in there actually does have something to do with your topic and 
the thesis if you're doing an MLA style or, you know, doesn't go wandering off into some other land where it doesn't belong, that you have your transitions that, you know, it's well written. And then there's the small picture stuff like, do my sentences make sense? Have I used proper punctuation, proper grammar? Have I followed the rules for whatever style I'm going to be doing? And then for our research paper um, curriculum, there's a rubric that the parent can use, which makes it much simpler. And there's always some subjectivity in grading writing, but it helps helps both the student and the parent to know what they're being graded on. So it's helpful for the teens to actually use a copy of the rubric for themselves to look over the rough draft and edit themselves before the parents get hold of the rough draft because they need the editing skills Mm -hmm. and then they can make some tweaks then hand it to the parents for rough draft editing and uh, then they're ready. Right and just as a definition when we're saying they're handing in the rough draft of their research paper this isn't something just put together quickly this means it's almost to its final Mm -hmm. not rough 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 draft like when you just sit and brainstorm something this is I've written this I've got it pretty close to what I think it needs to be now I'm letting someone else look at it before I do my final product by that time there should be very little that needs to be changed indeed Now, it's interesting. I think this has changed from when I was in college. I really don't recall being given rubrics by teachers. I remember writing somewhat blindly and hoping that I was writing to what the professor wanted. It was always a mystery, and you just hope you catch it. And I'm glad that that is something that's changed because there are a lot of somewhat subjective rules that go with any writing assignment. And um, I think that it is much more common now for teachers to provide a rubric where they say, this is what I'm looking for. And if you do everything on this diligently, you're probably going to have the outcome that you want grade-wise. Mm-hmm. Decent grade. So that's that's an okay thing. That's not a cheating thing at all. It's it's a really equipping thing. It gives kids the chance to succeed if they're willing to be diligent. Indeed, yes. So, all right, good stuff. Um, proofreading does matter. Word processors do not do it all for you. Autocorrect is sometimes straight up wrong. We've all experienced it. We have all sent something to someone that autocorrected to something that we did not intend to say. <laughs> and I'm not We have sure. lots of stories about that. <laughs> yes, we do. And I'm not sure that our teens always are quite as willing to do their own proofreading as perhaps they should be because they've had so much technology growing up. So that's another thing is to just let them know there's there's no substitute for you actually reading it and thinking hard about the words that you're looking at. And for them to be through with their rough draft a few days ahead of time so they can print up a hard copy of it and read it through themselves. Mm -hmm. Even read it out loud sometimes is is helpful so that they can see whether they followed the rubric and it makes sense. Good. And sometimes even reading sentence by sentence from the end to the beginning helps you look at individual sentences and not read into it what you think is there. Reading it backwards. Reading it backwards from the back. I've never thought of that before. (laughs) It's one of the editing tips that can sometimes help students. Of course, this means that there's no substitute for having a good foundation of grammar to begin with, but that's a whole that's other not, topic. That's a, topic. Yeah, a whole other podcast <laughs> we episode. To do a whole other episode. Yes. All right. So research papers. Yeah, you, you can't avoid them. 
and you can't do them in a night and you can't minimize the importance of learning to use your own work and only your own work. And um, you can have actually a really good experience writing research papers with your homeschool high schooler because um, even for kids who really don't like doing it, there's almost always a huge sense of accomplishment when they're done. It can be an empowering thing to look at it and go, that's a 10 page paper and it's done and it was done well and I don't have to do another one for a while, which is nice, you know, but they, 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 feel, they feel accomplished. And hopefully they learn something oh, yes. about a topic that interests them or at least a topic that they needed to learn about. And, you know, that's something we didn't really just say outright. There's not one right way to assign a research paper topic. And so mom can assign it, but it's probably better to let your kid choose a topic that actually matters to him or her and ties into some other subject area that they're working on. Um, because writing the research paper is a lot of work. If you're doing it on a topic that actually interests you, it's going to be a lot less painful. And sometimes doing that helps them build an elective or career exploration mm. credit. Right. Or if they're leveling up uh, language arts or history or science, they can use their research paper time for hours for that. Good stuff. All right, so research papers, do them. And if you need some step-by-step -step how to how to eat that elephant one bite at a time style writing guides with no busy work, check out sevensistershomeschool.com in the ebook store and you can download them immediately after purchase. And it's really um, really a great way to make research papers accessible, especially for kids who are not thrilled about the idea of writing. Indeed. All right, so join us next time for another writing topic as we're looking at writing in the high school years here on the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Mm -hmm.